You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, joined on the show by my co-host Doug Moore. It's always a pleasure having him aboard the show. But today's show should be a lot of fun. Uh, we've had a great run of guests here over the last couple of months. And this is one of the guys we had on probably about... I think it might be about 10 or 12 weeks ago now, but Pat Fitzmaurice, uh, a lot of you will know him from his work. Uh, if you're following him on Twitter, it's at FF or at Fitz underscore FF, but working for 444 and uh, SA and so on. So great info being put out by him. We'll be talking about some of that on today's show. But Pat, uh, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, Calm and Doug, thanks for having me again. Always nice to talk to you guys. Uh, Doug, congratulations on surviving the Tom Brady suspension. And uh, Calm, congratulations on surviving your uh, marriage <laughs> so far uh, your <laughs> wedding that is you haven't survived the marriage yet yeah, just the wedding i've got two weeks but, done. Uh, uh, i've got two weeks done so uh, i've survived that far but uh, doug uh, how's things been and he mentioned the, the brady suspension i think you must do uh, must have enjoyed uh, sunday's action as tom brady was back uh, with quite a quite a force uh yeah no it was definitely good to see him back i think uh, you know the world is right again and and um you know i, I think that you know you know, I think everything's just finally back to normal, you know, with, you know, obviously the Patriots winning and the Packers struggling, so. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, you'll know as well that Pat is a, a Packers fan, and I don't think that, uh, I watched the game, I don't think it was a struggle, I think they were pretty much in control the whole way through, but Pat, uh, just starting off from a, a football perspective rather than a fantasy football perspective, the the commentary team kept talking about how good the offensive line was, but are you concerned that uh, the way you know Rodgers is all the time in the world behind the line and still nobody can seem to get open for the Packers? I am. Um, I think it's, it was. And, um, you know, the, the touchdowns for Jordy Nelson have been sort of a deodorants that have uh, taken away from the fact that he is not getting the yardage he was before. He's not running the same sort of deep routes that he used to. He's become kind of a possession guy. I mean, Randall Cobb finally looked better. That was good to see after he had been uh, absent for quite a few weeks. And, uh, you know, Devontae Adams still somewhat lacking as a third receiver. I noticed they were finally starting to get Jeff Janis a few more snaps, and I think there were like seven different Packer wide receivers who took snaps in that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the wideouts are not maybe as good as we thought they were, and, uh, you know, Rodgers himself is not above blame. I mean, his mechanics just don't seem uh, quite right. It doesn't seem like he's stepping into his throws and, and making sort of a lot of uh, – you know, lazy back foot throws. And, uh, you know, he's always been very interception averse. And um, I mean, it might almost be uh, might have reached the point of compulsion with him where he's, uh, you know, he used to really not be too shy about throwing it into tight windows. And he just doesn't seem willing to do that anymore. And he doesn't have the kind of receivers who can get the separation he needs to avoid throwing into tight windows. So a problem all the way around I guess yeah and I pretty much watching the game that's exactly how I felt and it's another game where Rodgers hasn't gone over 300 yards uh, in a game passing so he's uh you know they're still getting the job done they're still picking up those wins but we'll see if they can start to iron those kinks out I did say uh two or three weeks into the season that I wanted to see another couple of weeks see how it started to develop but 
that was the first game where I was really concerned that it seemed to just be a, a bit of a malaise and it just wasn't really working its way out. But we'll see how they go this week. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that in just a few moments. Looking back uh, to last week's podcast, Doug, I did mention on that we did our biggest winners and losers from who we were hyping uh, for or against in the offseason. Mine was uh, Tevin Coleman, and I told everybody after that point last week to set him on the show, so apologies there to uh, anyone listening that lost games with Tevin Coleman on the bench, but thankfully I didn't lose any games with him on the bench, but he was on the bench in uh, multiple leagues for me, so sometimes the advice uh, a week later you would like to take that back, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the guys think he's going to perform this week uh, as we get into the week six previews in just a little moment. But before we get into that, I just have one quick read to do, and uh, I'm just going to play that for you now. Just before we get into this week's previews, I just want to tell you about some listener-exclusive discount codes you can use here in association with OTI. First one up is NFL Euroshop. Their website is europe.nflshop.com. They are the official merchandiser for NFL in Europe. Uh, they have you covered for all the new uh, you know, headgear and so on that's out for this season, hoodies and such, uh, even up as far as the Colour Rush jersey. So they are doing uh, a de- 10% discount with us here at OTI. They're also offering worldwide shipping free for this month of October. So uh, until the end of October, free shipping and of course that 10% discount on all orders using the code OTI10. So just uh, select what you wish to, to buy and uh, head on over to checkout. Put in the discount code OTI10 for 10% savings. With the promotion out of the way, guys, uh, we'll start to maybe look a little bit back at week five, then start to look ahead to week six. Uh, I just want to start off with the Baltimore Ravens game. I watched quite a bit of it uh, this past week, and it was quite a strange game, but Kirk Cousins has been, this season, I, I have never been a fan, but he's been playing pretty poorly, in my opinion, this season. But in this one, uh, he had a, an interception by C.J. Mosley. I don't know if you guys were watching the game, but uh, Mosley caught it at around the 25-yard line. It was, looked like he was taken in for a touchdown, but as he kind of dived towards the pylon, pylon, he released the ball for some reason, fumbled it through the end zone, just went out behind the pylon, and with the current rules, that's classed as a touchback. You get the ball back at the 25-yard line. It was one of the more strange ways of advancing the ball for the Washington Redskins. But uh, seeing that there, uh, is that a rule that... Uh, I've seen it a few times now where I thought it should be changed. Is that a rule that you think is one of the more uh, strange rules in the NFL? I'll let uh, Pat go on that one. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's kind of an extreme case of it happening. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Redskins being rewarded for how that went. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I... I Generally, I'm okay with it, the fumbling through the end zone thing. I mean, I, it, we're seeing that now more than ever, though, with guys reaching out and uh, trying to stretch the ball across the pylon, and that is the risk you run, that if you if you lose the handle on it and it goes through the end zone, I mean, that is a tough break, losing possession, you know, not only uh, not only not scoring the touchdown, but losing possession and having the other team take over at the own 20. So uh, got to be kind of careful about stretching it out. Yeah, and that's what the, one of the last times I think it came to the kind of the forefront was uh, maybe two seasons ago, back when RG Three was with the Redskins, and it was actually a Redskins game as well. And he uh, against the New York Giants in MetLife kind of tried to stretch out across the the pylon, and he the ball got knocked out of his hands and went out. There was another time where it, uh, the exact same sort of scenario happened. So I always think it's bizarre. I think it's something that I think if you if you're able to advance the ball to the one yard line and lose it I think you should probably get the ball maybe even if it's at your own 25 yard line so you have to start to work it back down the field but it just seems to be very punishing uh, towards the uh, offense or in this case the defensive side of the ball after they got the interception Doug next question up for you 
uh, regarding Kirk Cousins is uh, who in your opinion is the worst in real life as a quarterback uh, Brock Osweiler or Kirk Cousins both of them off to uh, real real tough starts and you could probably throw Mr. Ryan Tannehill into that uh, category uh, yeah, you can probably mention someone like Blaine Gabbard as well. Uh, uh, well, we're talking about real-life NFL quarterbacks here. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, <laughs> fantasy-wise. Oh, um, <laughs> so, um, I, that, that's a tough question because they all suck. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to go with Brock Osweiler. I just, oh, God, it frustrates me so much. $72 million. Um, Exactly. Four years, $18 million a year, and somehow he makes worse throws than I can. It just infuriates me at how he gets $18 million a year to pretend to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, And he has arguably one of the best wide receivers in the game and one of the best young running backs in the game and arguably the best defense out of the three of those, those guys we mentioned. And he still can't do crap. Oh, it just even Will Fuller. I forgot even to mention Will Fuller. Oh, it just he can't make he can't make deep throws. He doesn't make good decisions. He's erratic in the pocket. There's just nothing good about him. Oh God, it it, it pays to only do a couple games and and see what happens. Matt Flynn in this case too, and and other guys. Oh God, I, I don't. I can't talk about this. I can tell that uh, Doug really enjoyed that there question. I think we'll give him a little break after <laughs> answering that one. Uh, before we get into the week six games, just there's one team, or actually there are not, I was about to say there's uh, one team on by. There's two teams on by this week. Strange the way the buys have worked out this uh, season. Four teams on by last week, two this week, four next week, and uh, the way it works out through the next couple of weeks. But uh, we're getting into the week six games, and I'm going to start off with the LA Rams uh, against Detroit. Not one of the more exciting games, but... Uh, two teams that are, uh, you know, the Rams are definitely performing better than I expected this season, but they had a, a loss last week to the Bills. And the reason I wanted to get to this was I wanted to talk about uh, LaShawn McCoy and his performance, but he had uh, 18 carries in this game for 150 yards last week. And through them first five games, he's rushed 85 times for 447 yards. That's 5.25 per carry. So he's uh, having two nice games coming up here now with the 49ers and the Dolphins, but they faced off against this LA team, and so Pat, uh, just looking towards the uh, the LA Rams game this week and the, the Detroit Lions, uh, theoretically last week with a nice game. Uh, do you think with the way the Rams, we talk about their front seven, but they're giving up quite a, a large chunk to running backs? Uh, Riddick has struggled notoriously running the ball. They've added uh, Justin Forsett this week. He might get some of the actual early down carries, but Riddick this week against the Rams could be somebody uh, you know even with that injury going into the game could uh, have a nice workload this week. You know, I mean, he's going to have his workload, but I think it's going to be more in the passing game and then um, yeah. a couple spot runs, you know, probably five or six carries in his usual, uh, you know, six to seven receptions out of the backfield. It'll be interesting to see if they work in Justin Forsett uh, after signing him and, and maybe uh, maybe Dwayne Washington is healthy again, although I'm, I'm not quite sure what his status is uh, as of midweek right now, but... Um, I think the thing I worry be, about with the Lions... They must be concerned when they've uh, taken Forsett. I think that's more to do with the Washington's injury, I would imagine. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably it, that you know, it's going to be another week or, or more for Washington. But, um, yeah, just the fact that the Lions' run blocking has been so poor kind of makes me skeptical about that. I mean, just, uh, you know, McCoy is a great running back, and for him to, you know, really 
pretty much go off on a good defense like the Rams uh, is kind of a testament to what he can do. I don't think the Lions have that same kind of running game. And, um, you know, I'd be surprised if any of those running backs were able to really gash the Rams the way McCoy was. Um, But by the way, not to get uh, ahead of the previews, but McCoy, interesting revenge narrative with him going up against Chip Kelly this week. Uh, you know, normally I'm, I know a lot of people are, uh, reluctant to buy into narratives like that and revenge things. And, you know, certainly running backs aren't thinking about that when they're trying to carry out assignments and figure out how to dodge tacklers. But if there's one coach who might feed a player's revenge narrative, it's, uh, Rex Ryan. And I could see Rex maybe giving, uh, LaShawn a few extra carries to try to rub it in, rub Chip Kelly's nose in it. So that might be kind of interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. We we definitely saw some, you know, comments and, and stuff like that that were said. And and Bill and, and Rex loves drama. He loves controversy. So um, I, I wouldn't doubt it for one second. Like you had mentioned, just letting him, uh, you know, play every every position in offense just so he has the ball every play. So, um, but going into another game, I'm curious about. We have, um, I guess, one of the more snoozing matchups or snoozer ones, the ones you can take a nap through. But uh, we got the Titans and the Browns this week. Uh, the Browns are on their fifth quarterback, fifth, back to their third. I, I don't know. Uh, depending on who plays, I, I don't know. If, I, I said said on Sunday, but I think Tim Tebow might get a call. Who knows? Um, but you know, they're, they're, you know, and and the one big thing that we noticed is, um, you know, this run attack that was averaging 150 yards last week uh, before Week Five's game. Uh, you know, they were averaging that much, the, the highest in the league, and they go in and rush for 27 yards, I believe, on 22 attempts. Uh, so, obviously, I'm, I'm curious to see what your take is if, if, if the running game comes back, um, you know, full circle this week, um, you know, against the Titans, who probably are a lesser team defensively. Um, and then also on the other side, you know, the, the, the running game of DeMarco Murray is obviously a big one, too. And uh, do, do you think Delaney Walker has anything close to uh, – to three touchdowns like we saw from Martellus Bennett on Sunday against the Browns. Um, interesting. I mean, I, I think Crowell was, uh, you know, we were sort of due with the wake-up call, due for the wake-up call with him. I mean, the first few weeks had gone so well. And, um, you know, you, you knew at some point they were just going to get a game where the game script worked against him. And uh, I think maybe in this case, um, you know, it was also Bill Belichick, deciding to take one thing away from yep. the Browns offense and uh, that was the thing he decided to take away so you know I'm, I mean I still think Crowell is a really good running back and I trust in Hugh Jackson's schemes to keep the run game going so um, you know I guess for fantasy purposes I still see him as a an RB2 you know a, a good second running back for anyone to have um, the Martellus Bennett thing that's uh, I almost want to boomerang that back to you, Doug, because I'm curious. My podcast partner at SI.com, Michael Beller, and I were having this conversation the other day. You know, is Martellus Bennett an every week fantasy starter now? Is he basically a tight end one, even though Gronkowski is there, even though, you know, Edelman and Hogan and James White and whoever else are going to get targets? Um, is Bennett a guy you're looking to start every week? Yeah, so I think the one big thing is is we saw Bennett, you know, he went down early with an ankle injury. He came back and obviously, you know, he, he um, you know, scored the three touchdowns. I think the one thing that I noticed in that game is, um, you know, Bennett wasn't used much uh, outside of the red zone. 
Uh, I think that he, I think three out of his five catches were for touchdowns. Uh, and the other two were minimal gains. Um, you know, more as a chain mover type of guy. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying he can't be fantasy relevant every week. Uh, I think he's a touchdown dependent guy. Who I don't know if the Patriots need to use him as a primary receiver with all their bodies healthy. Um, I would call him a high end tight end too. Uh, but again, you know, with, with what we've seen with the Patriots in the past and who. You know who steps up and does really well. You know, go back to uh, Jonas Gray going for 200 yards and four touchdowns, and now he he can't find a job. <laughs> you know, so it, it's just it's randomness. You know, we're gonna see Malcolm Mitchell probably go off for 150 yards at some point too, but he's not necessarily gonna be a guy you can trust every week. Um, I would say in two tight end leagues, I'm definitely starting Bennett, and obviously tight end. You know, favorable tight end matchups, I would say as well. Uh, but I'm not ready to say he's a tight end one every week, but I'll say he's like a, a high end tight end too because I still think he'll be involved but again I think he's more red zone dependent with all the all the playmakers that the Patriots have and uh, the fact that they're healthy right now too yeah I agree exactly with uh, what you said Doug I think even in the preseason we were kind of talking about this eventuality that he could be in that kind of 12 to 16 range come the end of the season and obviously now with those three touchdowns going to help his potential but I don't expect to see games like that from him but I, I expect to see games where he gets 50 yards and a touchdown on more than half of his games remaining for the rest of the season I think between him and Gronkowski it's going to help free both of them up with uh, a lot of the routes that they were running the last day two splitting them both even to, to one side on that long Bennett catch uh, to help you know what can the what can the linebackers really do in that situation? So Brady's just going to take whichever option becomes available in that situation. Uh, moving on here to, uh, I forgot to mention at the start the two teams on bye this week when I mentioned about the bye weeks and it's Minnesota and Tampa Bay. But we talked about Lashawn McCoy twice already uh, without talking about the Buffalo Bills, and we're going to talk about that game now. I think for Buffalo, you're probably just looking at Lashawn McCoy. I know some people going into the season at high hopes for Tyrod Taylor, but just not getting it done through the air. And I think it's going to be another game where. Uh, they lean as heavily as they can on uh, LaShawn McCoy, particularly since the offensive coordinator changed. They've leaned really heavily on him. From the San Francisco side in this one, obviously uh, the news at the start of the week is Colin Kaepernick's getting the start here. Blaine Gabbard uh, will be sitting on the bench for this one. Uh, do you think with just even looking at Blaine Gabbard last week, finished with 19 fantasy points, uh, just whoever is the quarterback for Chip Kelly with the kind of amount of plays they run and just the, the volume that's there, do you think Kaepernick this week uh, could possibly be a streamer, or are you just waiting to see what you get from him this week, Pat? Um, mostly waiting, I, but the reason I'm sort of encouraged by him, and the reason I actually uh, drafted him in quite a few uh, MFL 10 uh, in the off season when you draft the best ball leagues, um, I took Kaepernick in quite a few of those, just because I think a running quarterback fits Chip Kelly's system so well, and uh, I've kind of given up hope for Kaepernick as a passer after what I saw in the preseason. I mean, he just looked terrible. But, uh, you know, I do think in the Kelly offense, there are going to be some running opportunities for him, which might uh, keep his fantasy value afloat, at least as maybe a quarterback, too. So, um, you know, and and what's going to be interesting is if he can continue to support, um, well, I mean, I guess the only pass catcher for the 49ers who's been supported so far is, Jeremy Curley and um, we just don't know if Curley is going to hold the same sort of value I mean obviously he was sort of Gabbert's security blanket and um, you know people pointed out that um, Kaepernick in his previous 
go rounds as the starting quarterback for the 49ers is not thrown very much to his slot receivers. So we'll see if uh, Curley still is able to maintain any fantasy value. But as for Kaepernick, I mean, I'm not as a streaming option. I think you would have to be pretty desperate. I think you'd have to have like a almost a Kurt Cousins or a Blake Bortles type as your starter. And they would have to be going up against like Denver or Seattle to maybe be desperate enough to start Kaepernick. But, um, you know, I, I do think with the running in Chip Kelly's offense, there might be a little bit of value there. Yeah, and the thing I think is going to be interesting is you mentioned Curley, and he was starting to have uh, some fantasy value with uh, Gabbard in the lineup. It's going to be interesting to see how that situation is this week, whether it's down to what Chip Kelly's scheming or whether it's just down to their relationship and how he liked to try and find him in certain situations. And I think you mentioned there about him, Kaepernick not going to the slot receiver as much. He had a little bit of success when uh, Crabtree was there towards the end of his time uh, with the 49ers. And I think there's a chance that we might see something come off Tory Smith in the next couple of weeks. Uh, there's been times in film where Smith has actually got open and uh, just Gabbard hasn't locked his way. So we'll see if Smith maybe uh, gets a little bit of boost. There was a lot of people, including myself, uh, kind of pumping him up in the off season. So let's see what happens there in the next couple of weeks. Me too. Uh, guilty of that. Um, Kaepernick <laughs> certainly at least has the arm. Yep. You know, I don't know if he has the accuracy, but he has the arm strength to. Uh, you know, get Tory on some of those deep routes that Smith has had success with. And by the way, I just wanted to circle back to this column because uh, in case any listeners were left in the lurch about what I meant by the uh, McCoy and Chip Kelly feud, um, you know, they were together in Philadelphia <laughs> and uh, basically Chip Kelly had uh, you know, a palace coup yep. and yeah, took personnel power and all of a sudden McCoy was traded out of town. And I think McCoy had suggested that maybe Chip Kelly didn't like African American players. It was uh, it was kind of messy there for a while. So yeah. if uh, you know Lashawn McCoy is still carrying a grudge, we might see that uh, play out a little bit this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I, I, again, I, I think uh, you know Rex Ryan is not one to shy away from from confrontation, from drama, from from fun. So we could definitely see it. Um, but uh, moving on, this is a guy I love talking about, and it's because of how much I hate him. <laughs> Uh, uh, let, me I, I guess I, let me guess who it is. It's going to be uh, Matt Jones. It is Matt Jones. You're <laughs> correct. Uh, so we're going to talk about this Eagles-Redskins matchup. Uh, we On the Redskins side of the ball, um, obviously, uh, I think I'm stealing a little bit of Calm's thunder, but uh, Jordan Reed obviously was evaluated today for a concussion. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously he's had major issues with concussions, um, you know, dating back to when he was in college. Um I want to see your level of concern there. Uh, and then also, you know, we, we saw for the Redskins, uh, now there's talk about uh, Rob Kelly, uh, Mr. Rob Kelly, who would never play on another – on any other NFL team, even the Browns he wouldn't play on. But somehow he has, a, a you know, a role on the Redskins. And now he might be starting to take carries away from one Mr. Matt Jones. Um, I want to get your take on that. And, and tell me on a scale of one to – Matt Jones, how bad Matt Jones sucks. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, also on the other side, you know, the the Eagles have a great matchup this week, especially against the Washington Redskins uh, run game. You know, they have three potential guys who you never know who, who could do what. You know, with uh, Ryan Matthews, uh, Wendell Smallwood, and then um, you know Darren Sproles. I want to get your take on that. And just uh, is there any hope for for Zach Ertz also? Uh, coming back and actually doing well as opposed to when he had a good matchup last week and didn't do anything. Yeah, interesting. So uh, racing through those, first of all, 
I do think Matt Jones stinks for the most part. And I, that was a big off season, uh, something I was really pounding my shoe on the table about. And uh, I have actually been surprised by him not being awful so far. Stop like, it. <laughs> <laughs> like almost approaching averageness. Mute Maybe him. Maybe not quite there yet, but... Uh, oh, mute and, him now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, when you asked Doug about Kirk Cousins versus uh, Brock Osweiler. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins can at least be a competent game manager, and I think that's kind of the game he has to play. And Washington just doesn't have a legitimate running game. I mean, Matt Jones has looked good in spurts, but uh, they're not going to be able to sustain a rushing attack with him and cousins needs that because when teams when defenses know he's throwing he's gonna have a lot of time because he just does not have the the uh you know big league um rocket arm to make tough uh contested throws so anyway um yeah kel uh rob kelly interesting that they're talking about working him into the mix i'd actually like to see more chris thompson instead of more rob kelly um for the eagles I do think uh, it's it's Ryan Matthews' show for the most part with Darren Sproles playing the usual passing down, change of pace role and, and having his games where he gets 30 yards and his games where he gets 70-yard touchdowns and makes everyone's fantasy week. Um, but Ryan Matthews, he's always been pretty good when he's been healthy. It's just that he doesn't stay healthy for more than uh, two or three games at a time. He's sort of the discount Arian Foster. And... Um, you know, we saw last week when, when he was back healthy, I think Wendell Smallwood had one snap, and Ryan Matthews really carried most of the load for the Eagles. I think it's going to continue to be that way, and this is actually a really good matchup for him because the Redskins cannot stop anyone's running game. I forgot about Ertz. Uh, yeah, I'm really not sure what to make of him right now. I mean, his maybe it's just going to follow the pattern he has set the first two years where he does nothing like the first 10 or 11 weeks and then in the last four or five games blows up and everyone gets excited about him for the following year. Uh, that's my only guess right now because that's the established pattern after two years. Yeah, he actually played uh, the majority of snaps last week, so I'm going to be interested to see if he does get some workload this coming week after coming back off the injury. Doug did mention there Jordan Reed as well. Kinda, I would put him at 50-50 to play this week, depending obviously if he... It goes under the concussion protocol or not but generally when you are checked for a concussion a couple of days after a game it's not a good sign and I believe this would be his sixth recorded concussion if it does turn out to be a concussion so definitely uh, long term uh, concerns there with him and his NFL future obviously he got paid this past off season by the Washington Redskins going to try and run through a couple of games here very swiftly because as usually happens uh, we start talking about too many things and uh, start to panic about not getting all the games covered but next up we're going to go to Dallas uh, at Green Bay obviously we talked earlier a little bit about the Packers and how their season is going it was another game for Rodgers as I mentioned under 300 yards it was also under six yards per attempt for him for the third and four games and that's the seventh time that has happened in the past nine uh, Eddie Lacy's ankle uh, we're still kind of waiting on more uh, words on that as to how it is but he thought after the game that he would be fine this week uh, have a little bit of an eye on James Starks although he didn't uh, have a great game last week when he uh, when he did come in for Lacey. Uh, had one kind of walking touchdown on a pass that he, he dropped that uh, would have led to a score. But, um, you know, this one, the Cowboys are obviously running all over everybody this season. They ran over 
the Bengals last week but the Packers uh, have been very stiff against the run this week or this season sorry but I, I, although I think the Packers are going to do well against the run I still think there's absolutely no doubt that you go ahead and you uh, start Zeke Elliott but outside of Zeke for the Cowboys who are you starting uh, this week with confidence or is it really Zeke or nobody and then on the Packers side uh, you just starting your regulars there uh, about that, yeah. I mean, I think even though, and that will be the great matchup come the uh, Ezekiel Elliott against the Packers yeah. run defense, which has been terrific so far. I mean, um, you know, Mike Daniels, really one of the unsung defensive players in the league. Um, you know, he's sort of keying that run defense. Clay Matthews, Nick Perry playing at a really high level. Their their run defense has been terrific so far. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I think Dak is playable. Um, you know, the Packers secondary had been pretty poor early in the season and then last week lo and behold with their top two cornerbacks out sam shields and demarius randall um they wound up playing a terrific game against the giants who everyone thought was kind of going to shred them through the air so um yeah especially with des bryant still out of action i'd be a little hesitant to roll out dak as like my starting quarterback um you know witten is borderline playable Cole Beasley's playable in PPR. That's about it. And, um, you know, for the Packers, I think that's it. You play Lacey if he plays. You maybe play Starks if Lacey is out. Um, You know, you play Jordy, maybe Cobb as a flex-type player. And, uh, you know, you're playing Rodgers despite the struggles. Yeah, Cobb also uh, got hit towards the end of that game last week. Kind of had a neck injury. Didn't train Wednesday, so we'll see for the rest of the week. Just keep an eye on the injury report with him and Lacey as you head towards uh, the game on Sunday. Next game up, going to talk about Atlanta heading to Seattle. We kind of thought last week that Atlanta were going to have a tough game as they headed to Mile High to face uh, the Denver Broncos, and they kind of took care of business there. We were back to the situation where uh, Julio didn't have a huge day. Maybe we'll see him break out again this week. But they head to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, which. Uh, by all accounts, is uh, usually a very, very tough matchup, particularly uh, as a run defense as well. But Tevin Coleman and uh, Devontae Freeman have been getting it done week in, week out. They're kind of at the stage now where if you had handcuffed Freeman uh, or Coleman to Freeman to start the season, you could possibly start both of them now at a stretch uh, with some of these bye weeks coming up. Uh, Coleman was one of my zero RB targets at the start of the season, uh, mostly for his uh, carrying ability rather than his catches, but this, uh, you know, we kind of thought Freeman was the pass catching back, but he's uh, he only had two passes uh, caught as a rookie. But this season so far has 17 and 313 receiving yards. So he's had a, a very, very fast start to the season, particularly in the receiving end of the game. But this week, uh, with the Seahawks coming off that bye week, um, you know, could be a, a tough one for the um, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, um, it'll be what I'm most interested to see on the Seattle side is uh, Jimmy Graham. The Falcons yeah, have had yeah. trouble with opposing tight ends so far, and Graham has just been so good. I mean, it's uh, Shock, I think so many people, yeah, wrote him off from a fantasy perspective just because the history of guys coming back from uh, that particular, the torn patellar tendon, not good. And he is maybe just the guy who's such a freakish athlete that um, – you know, he's been able to, to do it so far. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can continue to write that story. And, um, yeah, you guys, I'm just completely – I think a lot of people spent the entire offseason trying to pick a side between, uh, you know, were they Team Devonta or Team Tevin? And it turns <laughs> out they're both terrific. And not only did the Falcons sort of confound everyone by not choosing between the two, choosing one guy to be the main guy – 
they've actually kind of switched the roles with Freeman being like the heavy ball carrier guy and like Tevin is the passing down back now. It's sort of crazy. Um, No, I mean, realistically, I think they can both, either of them can run any play in the playbook. And that's what makes the situation so interesting. It's not the the classic division of labor where, uh, you know, two running backs with different strengths doing different things. Here it's just two great running backs who can both do it all. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how they produce so far. Yeah, I, I think part of the reason why they're able to do that is because, uh, you know, they, they don't really have a, a, a solid tight end to throw to, nor have they gotten the production they want out of Muhammad Snu, who they give a lot of money to. And they just don't have a number two wide receiver, really, or a number one tight end, really. So I think that's part of the reason they're able to do that. But definitely a great point where, you know, both are somehow able to, to carry over fantasy production despite, you know, usually, you know, running back duos not being able to both do it weekly. Um, but moving into another game, which I think could be really high scoring just because of of how, I guess you could say how porous both defenses have been, and and that's the Carolina Panthers versus the, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, this Panthers defense is just, it's, it's not as tough as it was last year, I, I would say. And obviously I think part of it has to do with Josh Norman not being there. And it's probably sound like a broken record because so many other people have said that, but the, you know, they lost to the Buccaneers on Monday, the Buccaneers. <laughs> um, let good. me just say it again. And let me just say it again. They lost to the Buccaneers. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, in regards to like, you know, Jonathan Stewart having a great matchup coming back, Facing the you know Lee, the fancy football friendly New Orleans Saints defense, you know I, I think he could have a good week. I want to get your take on that, especially because he's coming back from a multi week injury. And and just you know on New Orleans side, I, I could probably name even the the third string you know tight end on that team, and they uh, they probably will score points. Uh, but I want to get your take on who who stands out to you uh, for for both games or both teams. Yeah. Um... You mentioned how the Panthers' defense has been so disappointing. I mean, I know they lost Josh Norman, and obviously that's a, a big blow to the secondary. But really, I mean, you thought their front seven would still be dominant. And uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like uh, Kwan Short and Luke Keekley and some of these other guys have been there themselves early in the season. So, And, uh, you know, the Saints always seem to get it done at home on offense, even if it's against a pretty tough defense. So what I'm anxious to see is how the uh, passing game distribution works for the Saints. I mean, Brandon Cooks had that marvelous week one, and he's been really quiet since. And, um, you know, rookie Michael Thomas has been getting a pretty heavy target load, albeit in sort of a possession receiver role. And, um, you know, Willie Sneed was sort of banged up for a while there. And, you know, coming off the bye, he should be pretty healthy again. So, You'll be anxious to see how, um, you know, Drew Brees spreads the wealth. Does does Kobe Fleener get involved or does he disappear? Because apparently there's no in-between for him. It's either a <laughs> terrible game or a really good one. Um, you know, and, and do they uh, sort of get Mark Ingram back into the passing game? So anxious to see how that goes for them. And um, who were we talking about coming back from injury? Were we talking sure. about, uh, was it Stewart? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's interesting. It, will they give him the full complement of carries? Will it be like a 15 to 18 carry game for him? Or will they still, you know, 
Cameron Artis Payne earlier in the season wasn't even active for them when Stewart was in there. So uh, I don't know what role he's going to have. You know, I think they'll still involve Fozzie Whitaker in the passing game, but uh, I don't know. I guess if, uh, you know, if, if Stewart gets the green light for sure, you probably play him if you're a fantasy owner against the Saints defense, just because it is the Saints defense, it makes it an easier decision. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to give him a full load. And you maybe might have to hope that he can get it done on like 10 or 12 carries. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that's one of the things that makes, you know, a guy like, for example, uh, Cameron Arx Payne still fantasy relevant this week going up against, obviously, the Saints. Um, maybe not a full workload like we saw. I think he had 18 carries um, in week five. So, you know, obviously that will go down if Jonathan Stewart's active. Uh, switching over to another game that, um, you know, I, I'm curious about. And, and really, this this seems like a one-sided affair um, where, you know, everybody on this team can really score against this defense. That's the Steelers going up against the Dolphins. Uh, we were talking about who is the worst quarterback in the league, and Ryan Tannehill is obviously in that discussion. Uh, he just hasn't been able to do much with this offense uh, outside maybe Jarvis Landry. Uh, the running back situation has been ugly, and uh, their defense is even worse. So I guess you're setting the bar pretty low for Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, 200 yards probably seems, you know, in the first half is probably fine. <laughs> um, you know, against you know against a team that benched their best cornerback because he sucks. Um, but uh, I'm just curious, you know, do we do we see as a situation where, you know, the the Dolphins maybe do have a little luck against uh, the Steelers? You know, beatable secondary. You know, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, maybe even Kenny Stills. Um, and then uh, you know, again on the other side of the ball, you know. Is this a game where a guy like Jesse James for the Steelers or, you know, Eli Rogers, who might be coming back from injury against this, you know, beatable Dolphins defense? Are there guys that, you know, we don't think about that often that could still have a good game because of how bad this defense is? Yeah, possible that Eli Rogers and Jesse James are involved. But at this point, like, I couldn't start those guys now that uh, now that Sammy Coates has really arrived. And I mean, I think. Last week kind of heralded his arrival as, uh, you know, possibly the heir to the Martavis Bryant role. I mean, he, Martavis Bryant, um, even with Antonio Brown around, I mean, Martavis Bryant was working his way into the discussion as a top 10 wide receiver every week. And I feel like Sammy Coates is (laughs) close to being there already. I mean, he realistically could have had four touchdowns last week. But, um, you know, he does have the erratic hands, but, um, you know, blazing speed, unbelievable physique, uh, just great at getting separation and leaping. And, I mean, he is just a phenomenal athlete. So, um, you know, I don't know what's going to be left over for anyone after you get done distributing balls to Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Sammy Coates. So, I don't think I would be starting Eli Rogers or Jesse James with confidence. I mean, they might uh, sneak out a touchdown here or there. Um, To say nothing of Marcus Wheaton, by the way. Um, For the Dolphins, you know, I'm going to give Tannehill a little bit of a pass. I think he's no better than a middling, slightly below average NFL starting quarterback. But his offensive line has just been... Oh, my gosh. So terrible with Brandon Albert out and uh, Laramie Tunsil out last week, too. I mean, they just released, I think, two linemen today, including Billy Turner, who was just 
a complete turnstile. <laughs> you know, a, a traffic cone would have given Ryan Tannehill better protection than Billy Turner and Juwan James, the right tackle, who um, a couple people on Twitter have gifed some uh, made gifs of some of his worst blocking efforts and some of them are just embarrassing so i kind of feel bad i mean i would almost put eli manning into that same category of guys whose uh offensive line has just been so negligent in the last couple weeks that um you know the struggles cannot be pinned entirely on them so i don't know what kind of business uh tannahill is going to be able to do this week or really any week until they get that line straightened out certainly having albert back healthy and getting tonsil back is going to help but um it's still not a good offensive line, and uh, I, I was amused by how irritated Adam Gase got in the press conference when someone asked if he was going to stick with Ryan Tannehill. I think what he wanted to say is, "You really think Matt Moore could have done any better with that protection?" Yeah, I think that's what he—that is actually what he wanted to say. But uh, you know, you, you talked about this game. I think this game's down for possibly the blowout of the week. And you know, Sammy Coates last week had 139 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know he could have had probably double that with the, the drops that he had definitely dropped two other clear touchdowns so uh, I think he could be in for a, a big week here and Antonio Brown always gets his so uh, that one there I think you start your uh, you start your Pittsburgh Steelers with confidence moving on to the last couple of games now before we finish up Kansas City at Oakland Oakland last week getting a win against the Chargers uh, Derek Carr having a very fine start to the season Crabtree continues to have uh, success and then Cooper as well starting to to round into a bit more farm and he, he got in the end I think I believe he got in the end one last week just off the top of my head it might have been called back not 100% sure on that one but uh, throughout this here I think you're starting them I think the running back situation leaves you wondering again I think it, I, I wouldn't start any of those guys with confidence then on the other side Kansas City you have uh, Spencer Ware you have Jamal Charles looks to be going to be getting a bit more of a workload this week but I still think it'll probably be be close to you know 50 50 or 60 40 if it is uh, in favor of jamal charge i think then you're probably starting uh, travis kelsey in this one oakland tend to uh, have a tough time against tight ends and then outside of that uh, is there anyone that you'd be starting outside of those names mentioned pat this week uh, with confidence or is that kind of where you would you would stand in that game yeah uh, i'm with you on that calm i don't think any of the raiders uh running backs while they're using this full-blown um three-way committee with Murray if he's healthy enough to play and DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard um, and probably none of them are a start uh, just because especially if Murray plays um, you know maybe maybe you flex Murray if if you need to but and uh, with the Chiefs I mean in a good matchup like this against the Raiders who have not done well against the run so far I think you could start either Ware or Charles I think this week maybe they're both uh, running back two types yeah um, you know, I don't think they're going to, even though Charles played in the game before the bye and then had the extra week, I don't think they're going to give it to him 20 times this week. So I think Ware will still be very involved. Um, you know, uh, agree with you. They're both playable, though. Yeah, and then, then on Monday Night Football this week, we're going to see the New York Jets travel to Arizona. The Jets having a, a tough time of late. And then, you know, obviously with their loss last week to the Steelers, I thought they looked very, very poor in that one. Uh, Eric Decker has missed the last couple of games. He will go to IR now with that shoulder injury. He's going to miss basically, you know, if he has surgery, he's out for the rest of the season. If he doesn't have surgery, he might make it back for the last couple of weeks. But for a fantasy perspective, he's uh, droppable, in my opinion, all leagues. And then 
Uh, outside of obviously dynasty and keeper leagues, uh, Quincy Inouye I think is going to you know bump up in value in this you know going for the rest of the season. I think then you obviously start Branton Marshall. I wouldn't be starting Fitzpatrick with any confidence. Uh, then on the other side, of, like I just want to get your opinion firstly on uh, Quincy Inouye. Is he somebody that you think could have uh, a positive role now heading forward? He had a little bit of a role those first couple of weeks, but now with Decker clearly gone for the rest of the season. Yeah, I do, Calm. I think he's, um, you know, certainly a must-own in every league and, um, you know, very startable most weeks. I don't know if this is one of those weeks against a pretty good pass defense with the Cardinals, but, um, you know, it's still in consideration. And, I mean, the only other interesting weapon there, I think, is Austin Safarian Jenkins, who uh, played a little bit last week. And, you know, the Jets might be in such... Uh, desperate straits with Decker on IR that they start to work him in a little bit, which could be kind of interesting. Although I don't think we're going to see it this week. The Cardinals have been really tough on opposing tight ends. Yeah. So this is probably not going to be, uh, you know, ASJ's triumphant uh, Jets <laughs> breakout game. Um, but what I'm anxious to see in this game and um, curious what you guys think, it, it seems like the Jets pass defense and That's the terrible. Cardinals – passing offense have been like two of the most disappointing unexpectedly bad uh units this season in the nfl i mean palmer's been really shaky whenever he's been in there i mean the jets you kind of figured that with their defensive line and Darrell revis everything was going to be okay and uh you know they've just been firebombed so far early in the season so it'll be interesting to see how that goes yeah, if you're looking at the uh, Cardinals, you know they played Thursday night football, got a win against the 49ers. Uh, uh, Carson Palmer didn't play in that one with a concussion. He's back this week. I expect this week, uh, if he is going to bounce back this season, this is the week it happens because, as you mentioned, the Jets' secondary has been particularly bad against the pass. And I think uh, you know John Brown, had up until last week, uh, and obviously Drew Stanton was in there, was starting to bounce back into form. He's somebody I was very high on starting the season. I'll be starting him this week in every league that I own him. I think he's in for a big day. I think he started Larry Fitzgerald as well. You obviously start uh, David Johnson, who's had a monster start to the season. Out of that, I think he set Michael Floyd just until you see what he can produce. He's been very, very poor the first couple of games of the season. Anyone else for the Cardinals that you'd be starting outside of those guys? No, totally agree with you. You have to sit Floyd for now. I mean, he might be losing his uh, third receiver job to Jerron Brown at this point. So, yeah, I agree. He's a uh, a, a bench, a wait-and-see guy yeah. right now. Next up uh, is the Jacksonville Jaguars at Chicago. The Jaguars coming off their bye. They obviously won against the Colts in London prior to that. And, you know, they're coming in. You're going to start Robinson. I, I own Yeldon in a lot of leagues. I'm going to be starting him in a couple of leagues this week just because I don't really have any better alternatives. But Chris Ivory's still there too. There will be that split in the workload. I think uh, Yeldon has been the better runner, though, so far this season and had a good game in London. Uh, then, obviously, you're starting Robinson. You kinda, you're starting Hearns, unfortunately. Uh, you want to see a little bit more from him than he's been given. Julius Thomas should be back from that injury. We'll see what he can give you. Blake Bartles, although I'm not a fan uh, in, in real life as a quarterback, I think he still gets the job done in fantasy football. Then on the other side, uh, the concern at the moment is for Alshon Jeffrey owners that the ball just isn't being distributed his way. Um, you know, he's getting less targets than guys like Eddie Royal. And last week, we've seen the emergence of uh, Cameron Meredith, uh, who caught nine passes uh, for 130 yards and a touchdown. 
but I, I do think that there's no doubt about it. I think Jeffrey eventually it has to has to bounce around. Uh, these things kind of come and go, and I think he'll start to pick up his targets. But I don't think this week against the Jaguars' uh, defense is where it's going to happen. I, I still don't think they have a very strong front seven, in my opinion, but uh, that back end of the, the defense has been positive so far this season to start. Uh, would you be starting... Uh, would you think about sitting Jeffrey this week, uh, Pat? Uh, I actually have him in, in multiple leagues, Calm, and I'm not going to sit him, but I'm also not in a position to have that choice in these leagues. So uh, I am going to play him. But you know what? I, I do think I do think there's something going on with the passing game and the distribution there. Um, between Kevin White and Cameron Meredith, um, you know, since Meredith base, basically took over for White, those two combined have had a 30% target share um, this season, which is just kind of absurd when Alshon Jeffrey is there. And, uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, I think we might later find out that Alshon Jeffrey is playing through some sort of injury. Um, you know, he just hasn't been able to assert himself. And, and we've seen what he looks like when he is at peak capacity. I mean, he's just one of the physically dominant receivers in the league um you know there are certain guys who can just win with their physicality and Alshon has been one of them so there might be some sort of hidden injury we're not uh hearing about and I actually think Cam Meredith is like a playable fantasy option you know now and and possibly into the future um you know he is a pretty big guy himself like 6'3 207 Really athletic. I mean, a, a guy who absolutely should have been drafted in 2015 and somehow slipped through the cracks. But uh, I think he might be fantasy relevant, um, possibly the rest of the season. Yeah, no, definitely. He was, um, you know, he, he was definitely a pleasant surprise. And, you know, you, you have to think that maybe just Hoyer is more set on spreading the ball out than, you know, feeding it to Alshon. You know, like you said, and I thought about this in my head. You know, you said that maybe he's dealing with injury. I think he's always dealing with injury. I think this is just more, more so a more serious one potentially. And that's not a knock on him necessarily, though it is a jab at him. Um, you know, he's just always playing hurt, and I, I think that's just part of the reason why he frustrates so many owners. But this really, you can't blame on him. I don't think. You know, we were talking about you know my my least favorite quarterback in the league. Um, you know, Brock Osweiler, and he he's up against a, a very beatable. Uh, you know, Indianapolis Colts secondary this week. Um, even with Vontae Davis in there, uh, you know, this defense is just pathetic. Um, and I think that's being nice. Um, so I think if there's any week that he could actually do something, it's going to be against this Colts defense. Want to get your take on it. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar Miller have both been disappointments this season. And um, I'm really upset about Lamar Miller. Not so much about DeAndre Hopkins because I, I knew I was right about that. So. Um, but I, I want to get your take on that. And then obviously on the other side of the ball, Frank Gore's playing like he's 10 years younger. Uh, and then, you know, Philip Dorsett has not broken out the way we wanted him to with the Moncrief out. What's your take on that as well? Uh, well, I'm also upset about uh, Amar Miller, Doug, because I would be doing so much better in the Scott Fishbowl if he was having <laughs> a... Uh, <laughs> I'm two and three in the Scott Fishbowl with a pretty average point total, but I feel if Lamar was uh, cashing in for me, I definitely have a winning record. Yeah, um, maybe this is the game for everyone on the Texans offense to get well. Uh, you know, we certainly, up until last week anyway, could not complain about Miller's workload. Getting, uh, you know, plenty of carries and just not being able to get anything to pop. And 
Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to happen eventually. He's got to find the end zone one of these weeks. Why not against the Colts? And, um, yeah, Osweiler really limits the combination of, of Osweiler being terrible and Will Fuller being really good is, uh, has not bode very well for DeAndre Hopkins so far. But, um, you know, I, I still think you have to at least start him. I think you're probably starting Fuller in this one just because of the matchup. And uh, the Colts, yeah, I mean, T.Y. Hilton has just been a target magnet with uh, Moncrief out. And I think part of that is because Philip Dorsett, uh, the Colts are finding out is really just a track star and not a football player. Um, just not a legitimate complimentary receiver. And they are certainly eager to get Moncrief back, I think. And, um, you know, until then, Hilton's going to get a ton of targets. I think he'll still be an excellent receiver from a fantasy perspective after Moncrief gets back, but hopefully he's going to be an important fantasy piece too. I, I do agree with you. Hopefully there, there can be some turnarounds and, I would think, especially for, like you said with the Texans, uh, if this is the week that they they do turn around, uh, it should be this week. Next, I, th- I think we'll go into it again. We talked about a, a player specifically on that team, uh, Martellus Bennett, and we're going to talk about the obviously the uh, the Patriots and the Bengals. Uh, Patriots coming off a very impressive win uh, against uh, the lowly Browns. Um, I would say it's still impressive, even though it was never expected to be a close game. Um, obviously Tom Brady's back through for over 400 yards and three touchdowns in his first game back. Um, and we saw Chris Hogan be looked at on two long throws and he very well, uh, did very well, you know, actually grabbing them in, actually led the Patriots in receiving. Want to get your take. Is that something we're going to see every week or is this just a, a flash in the pan that he's going to be an inconsistent guy? And then, you know, we saw Rob Gronkowski come back as well. Uh, not come back, but really he, he stepped up again after, uh, you know, I, I guess you could say, you know, being hurt uh, for his best game of the season. Is he back? And also what your take on the running game is with, uh, you know, with Brady back. And um, on the other side of the ball, it doesn't look like Eifert's going to play again this week because now he has a back injury too. Yeah. Um, just want to get your take. Is there a tight end that's relevant this week uh, after Gary Barnage led the Browns in receiving last week? Or is that just not the case with C.J. Uzma not, uh, <laughs> not being able to do? <laughs> I think I, I think I pronounced that right, right? I think you did. Nicely yeah. done. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> First time. I still don't think I still don't think I could start a Bengal tight end. No, um, so. <laughs> just on I'm the just, Patriots, I'm real the, quick. I'm rooting for the little guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, Ozuma, no Tyler Croft. Probably. I think you're still waiting to start uh, Eifert when he eventually returns. Um, for the Patriots, yeah, it's they're just such a mystery. I do think Gronk is back. You're starting Brady every week. You're starting Gronk every week. I think you're starting Julian Edelman in every format this week. And, you know, Edelman certainly, he had double-digit targets last week, which I think will be the norm. He just didn't really cash in and and do anything as far as yardage. But uh, the guys who are going to be hit and miss, you know, probably Bennett's, probably Hogan every week. I mean, Hogan did all his damage on, what, four or five targets? Um, You know, I think with... Brady back and the Patriots no longer needing to run the ball to protect, to balance their offense and protect an inexperienced quarterback. I think LeGarrette Blount loses some value and, um, you know, James White might gain a little bit of value. So both of those guys are sort of, uh, I think you're still playing Blount just about every week, but um, James White has gone from unplayable to playable. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, like, with a team like Pittsburgh that has guys you just throw in every week. You're going to throw in Le'Veon Bell. You're going to throw in Roethlisberger. You're going to throw in Antonio Brown and now probably Sammy Coates, too. With the Patriots, it's Brady, Gronk, and then it's really kind of a, a <laughs> mixed bag. Some guys are going to hit some weeks. Other guys are going to miss completely, and it's going to be frustrating to pin down. One thing I was curious to ask you about, Doug, since uh, you have the Patriots expertise is it seems to me like they've had problems covering running backs. Uh, is this possibly a week where Giovanni Bernard goes off a little bit? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. I think this is going to be a game where, you know, we're going to see a lot of yardage, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of points. Uh, and I think that that can benefit a guy like Gio Bernard, especially with um, – you know, Jeremy Hill, he did practice today, but his arm was in a sling beforehand. And, uh, you know, he'll play, it sounds like, but could he be limited? I would think he would be somewhat limited. So I just think that, you know, also I think A.J. Green actually had missed practice today with an injury too. Um, so he could be a little hobbled. And uh, we saw how the Patriots did against, you know, Terrell Pryor. I think they'll game plan well against Green. So this could definitely be a week uh, where Gio Bernard, a guy like that, could get some work, um, you know, get a lot of catches behind the line, line up as a slot guy. Um, the the run defense of the Patriots before, uh, you know, before facing the Browns uh, was giving up almost 4.4 yards a carry, so it's not like it's not beatable. Uh, but I would say in PPR formats, I think, you know, Gio Bernard's a terrific play this week. You're bringing up a good point uh, with that because I think Isaiah Crowell did break off for a couple of runs in the past game, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that I, I would definitely agree with you there. Yeah, and uh, Gio over the last couple of weeks has been starting to out-snap uh, or get closer to the snap count on Hill, and then you mentioned Hill banged up as well. Uh, I, I'm not a Jeremy Hill fan, and I don't own him anywhere, and I own Gio Bernard practically everywhere, and I'll be starting him in many, many leagues this week coming. You mentioned AJ Green as well. I'd fully expect him to play this week. But again, as you mentioned, you know, with Bill Belichick and the offensive side of the ball, certain players getting in on the action certain weeks depending on the game plan. I think it'll be another situation where he pretty much tries to, to scheme things to take away AJ Green this week for the Bengals. Two games left to run through. First up is Thursday Night Football, Denver at San Diego. Uh, Philip Rivers has statistically over the last number of seasons uh, struggled against the Broncos defense. But I think, uh, you know, if it's a single quarterback league, I think this week is standard format. I think you're, uh, you're sitting Phil this week, in my opinion. Um, I have him in a few two quarterback leagues and I'm going to be forced to start him just for that situation. Looks like Simeon's going to start for the Broncos and I think you know if you're looking you're starting DT you're starting Emmanuel Sanders if you you know I wouldn't really be going ahead and starting either quarterback in this game and I'm not overly confident at starting any of uh, the San Diego wide receivers and with the way Gates has played and his couple of games back I'm not confident in that situation is there anybody that I haven't mentioned there that uh, you'd be starting this week San Diego too have been pretty surprisingly stout against the run as well this season yeah, uh, I agree with you, Calm. There's no one on the Chargers that I think you're excited about starting this week. I mean, I think, uh, you know, quite a few guys are playable if you have to. I mean, Melvin Gordon, I think, is, is probably going to be in most people's lineups if they have him, no matter what, at this point. Um, you know, just because of the, the touchdown potential of nothing else. Yeah. Uh, some people be forced to play Rivers. And, you know, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a disaster, although I do look for a rebound uh, from the Denver pass defense after their off game against the Falcons. Um, and I agree, I'm, I'm kind of avoiding all the, uh, the tight ends and receivers for the Chargers. Um, you know, and, and for the Broncos, I, I agree, you don't really start Simeon. Um, what should be interesting is this uh, running back split now. It seems like Devontae Booker 
the rookie has been getting a lot more work lately. And, uh, you know, early on it was looking like it was the C.J. Anderson show and Devontae Booker had, you know, a fumble in, in that Thursday night opener and promptly took a seat on the bench and wasn't seen again for a while. But now he's uh, his snap count has been climbing week after week. And suddenly it looks as if he could be a threat to, uh, you know, C.J. Anderson's previously assumed status as one of the 10 most valuable fantasy running backs in the league. So um, I'll be anxious to see if they continue to trend that way and split carries or if, uh, you know, C.J. can kind of hold the rookie off. I feel like we've been here before where uh, C.J. has either started fast or started slow. We get to kind of a few weeks in. It used to be Ronnie Hillman, although I will admit that Devontae Booker is a lot better than Ronnie Hillman comes in, and then at the end of the season we see C.J. Anderson pull away again. I think there's no doubt in my opinion Anderson's the better running back, but we'll we'll see this week if he starts to you know up his carries again. But uh, I agree with you over the last couple of weeks that um, you know for C.J. Anderson owners out there it has been a worrying sign. Last game of the week to run into now is Baltimore traveling to New York to face the Giants. Uh, you know we mentioned Eli earlier in the struggles with the offensive line. Uh, the Giants, I don't think you can start any running backs for the Giants in this game. Tight end situation uh, with Donnell out, I, I wouldn't be starting tie with any confidence. I think you have to start uh, Odell Beckham, obviously. Sterling Shepard, I think you're probably going to start him too. Victor Cruz, if you're stuck at a spot in a flex, you possibly did. Baltimore, though, uh, you know they're going up against the Giants, who are pretty banged up in that secondary. And uh, Steve Smith looks like he's not going to play this week. I've seen today that Mike Wallace appeared on the injury report. So it's really banged up as well for the Baltimore Ravens. But I think this week, if you're if you're uh, you know with Baltimore, you probably could start Terrence West. I think you're waiting another week to see what you get from Kenneth Dixon. But I think Dennis Pitta could be the kind of, you know, particularly people maybe streaming tight ends this week. I think he's the, the start off this Baltimore side. Is there anybody else that you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I I think so. Wallace said he was going to be okay. He got his ribs uh, destroyed, like on one of the last plays of that game, where yeah. uh, Flacco kind of hung him out to dry with a throw that yeah. he had to reach for, and someone just uh, leveled him. So I think he's going to be okay. It'll be interesting to see if Smith doesn't play. If uh, maybe Kamara Aiken uh, yeah. resurfaces after being buried this whole season. <laughs> I mean. Really, it's interesting what the Ravens are going to do after Trestman, uh, after Trestman's departure, and now that Marty Morningweg has been there. Yeah. I think the complaint from Ravens fans is that they have not taken enough shots downfield, which uh, you know you would think they would be equipped to do with Mike Wallace and Brashard oh, Perryman. Yeah. You know, yeah, Flacco with this cannon arm, and really like Perryman's health was such a thing, but he's been perfectly healthy, and this guy can fly. So they do definitely have the tools to stretch the field if they choose to do so um you know terrence west has been great the last couple of weeks but the grain of salt is that he's done it against the redskins and the raiders who both have really bad run defenses it'll be interesting to see if he can do it again against a pretty good run defense or you know um does kenneth dixon start to work his way into the mix i i do eventually think dixon is going to play a key role for this running game i know uh and maybe I'm just defending myself after screaming at people to pick him up in my waiver wire column for the last three <laughs> weeks, and then he comes in and has, like, minus three yards or whatever. But uh, I do think he'll play a role eventually and that people shouldn't get too excited about West's two big games against really putrid run defenses. Um, yeah, and uh, the other side, it's just, I mean, bad offensive line play. I mean, Eric Flowers at left tackle and either you know Marshall Newhouse or Will Beatty at right tackle. 
that's just kind of a disaster. It seems like they basically have three slot receivers on their team. Um, you know, I know Beckham can dominate in, you know, in the slot or outside, but I think Sterling Shepard has to play the slot. Victor Cruz has always done his best work during his career from the slot. And I think you'd like to have the option of playing Beckham in the slot because he's so hard to guard from there. Um, yeah, I, something with the Giants offense is just a miss right now. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to get it back against a Ravens defense. That's probably one of the most unheralded, really, really good defenses in the league. Yeah, I agree with you there as well on the on the Ravens defense. Um, that's going to wrap up the week six preview. Obviously, hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. You can follow Pat on Twitter. It's at Fitz with a Z. That is F-I-T-Z underscore F-F. Great work from him. That's sort of the best place to find all his uh, happenings during the week. Doug is on Twitter at NFL, and I'm on Twitter as well at Overtime Ireland. So make sure you're following all of us. And until we're back with the show next week, uh, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.